Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I come to work with two hands every day and I'm trying to bless somebody. We better be in Florida. It better be sunny. And there better be some sort of fruity drink involved. With Matt Harmon. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clip that. You can get on a podcast. You can get online. You can argue with the clouds. You can argue with the, with the Russian bots. Don't care. It's Friday, November 23rd. I hope your Thanksgiving was incredible. I hope you're enjoying plenty of leftovers. What we're going to enjoy is the rest of this week 12 slate. Uh, just a heads up. We are recording this on Wednesday, right around noon Pacific. So if there's been you know, crazy developments over the last, uh, you know, in the next few hours, the next few days, whatever, we're not going to know about it. That's just the way the schedule works. Okay. So, uh, you know, deal with it. I probably, you know, if I was a better host of this podcast, I, by the way, if I was a better host of this podcast, I would have already introduced Dalton Del Don, who's here with me. Uh, I would have done that. I also probably would have like, you know said the schedule and some of the schedule changes on different points of the show, but I didn't do that, okay? So we're here. We're all adjusting. It's a holiday weekend. Anyways, Dalton, what's going on, dude? How's it going, man? It's going well. Happy holidays. Yeah, we have a lot of games to get through. I don't have any uh, funny beginner here, so let's just get to the the games, man. (laughs) I don't have any funny beginner here. Well, I don't have have, nothing for you. I got no, 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 no content for you. Well, that's all right, dude. You bring uh, plenty of good content with uh, <laughs> yourself. That's all that we're here for. And we know we'll get plenty of those uh, Dalton Del Don heaters as we jump into the show. So let's get right into it, man. And we're going to start here with Bears at Jets. And I know that seems a little strange. Oh, it's a, we usually try to give you the best games first, but we do have big news Coming into this game, we just found out here Wednesday morning uh, that Mike White is going to be starting for the Jets. They are done with Zach Wilson uh, for right now. Uh, they're going to bench him in this game. Dalton, um, I'm curious what you think this does for uh, the rest of the dudes there in New York. You know, Mike White, we've seen Mike White play before. Uh, he relieved Zach Wilson a couple times last year. Um, they're not going back to Joe Flacco. I think that's relatively interesting. Um, probably brings a little bit of stylistic difference to this offense, but Anyways, where are you at now with these Jets guys now that Zach Wilson, who, you know, has been by almost any real measure, the worst quarterback in the NFL the last two years, we're getting a different starter here for our New York Jets guys. Yeah, I saw this stat. If Geno Smith took his next 150 snaps and just threw the ball into the stands, he would still have a higher passer rating than Zach Wilson. And and his response might have been even it might have been even worse than his play. 
obviously that lost the locker room. You know, him just saying, yeah. I mean, the defense gives up three points and that's his reaction. So this seemed inevitable once Sala, you know, retracted the quarterback statement. Um, Zach Wilson, I like how Schefter points out that he's 5-0 and this year when not facing Bill Belichick. But during that okay. tweet, that, that same tweet when saying he's getting benched, apparently, at, at least at the time, and maybe more, but at least 15 Jets had liked the tweet saying that Wilson's getting benched. So wow. it seems pretty clear that he has lost the locker room here. And for fantasy did purposes... You see too that, did you see, too, that uh, his... Resp- I guess a reporter uh, had... I can't remember who it was, but had that uh, his response to Robert Sala telling him that he was benched was, why Horrible. me? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Why, come, right. it, it's, it's just... Look, maybe Zach Wilson can grow up at some point and, like, figure it out, but it's just clear he's, like, not... You kids can't act this way and be a starting NFL quarterback. I mean, I was talking about talking about it with my dad, who's here visiting for Thanksgiving this morning. And it's just like, who's the who? Which quarterback, like a great quarterback, ever says like, "Oh no, it's you know not on me," right? Like that's like it's like quarterback one hundred and one is even if it's not your fault, you go out there and say like, "Oh, I could have done better," you know, "I could have done this that." Like you put up three freaking points, bro. Like it's you know it's just not that hard. Like and I don't think Zach Wilson takes the layups on the field. Maybe Mike White will, and he certainly didn't take the layup here off the field for this one. Yeah, Trey Lance took ownership of his mistakes just repeatedly after a bad game. Justin Fields just went out of his way to, to take the same thing. It was my fault with the last loss. So just you compare that to uh, Wilson's response. Not great. Uh, Magic Mike White. Uh, you won't even get the White Lotus references. Someone who doesn't watch TV. but man, I don't know. He, I watch TV. I don't watch movies. I watch yeah, TV. Right. I've well, seen the, fir- the f- first season of White Lotus. I've okay. All right. Nice. Oh, sorry. I didn't know. Um. Elijah Moore, uh, speaking of uh, lost the locker room, he was posting pictures of himself as a quarterback on his Instagram. <laughs> he was a top 10 fantasy wide receiver with Mike White under center for what it's worth. Um, you know, Garrett Wilson is now there. But the big key here is the running back tar- the target percentage. White, the three games he played uh, most of the game, 39%. 41% and 37% running back target percentage. So you got to think this boosts Michael Carter's value, boosts the whole offense's value just because just just a, a, simply moving the chains, something that Zach Wilson right. could not do. So I'm expecting, yeah, Mike White to uh, to frankly have success against the Bears. Why not start against the Bears defense that is arguably the worst in football right now? I know. Um I think there was probably some logic. Like if they had decided to go with Zach Wilson, I think that the thought probably would have been, hey, this defense, which has been 32nd EPA per play allowed, like since they started trading all these guys away, this is a pretty good spot again to try to get Zach Wilson to hit some layups. But Dalton, you know, I'm going on uh, one of my college buddies podcasts uh, later today. Uh, It's a Jets podcast. So I've been thinking about this whole situation a lot. So just one thing here for, for our listeners. I really think what's funny about this, Dalton, is that like this obviously comes off the Shanahan tree, right? Mike LaFleur, this whole offense. And I think the offense has been really well designed, but I always kind of thought when they took Zach Wilson, that it was really a curious fit because Zach Wilson is like an off script guy. He wants, like he has real great physical talent, but like I said, he doesn't hit the layups. He doesn't take those layups. He doesn't like, like Mike white last year, right? The running back target percentage, the, the throws to Elijah Moore, those are all like, the gimme throws that Zach Wilson never takes. So I almost kind of feel like, look, this is it's on Zach Wilson, obviously for how this thing has deteriorated so fast. But I just think in a weird way, like he doesn't fit the offense. He doesn't, he's not like the Shanahan style of quarterback. He's not a guy like a Jimmy G, which by the way, is it, isn't it a stone cold lock that Jimmy G is this team's starting quarterback next year? I mean, it it just feels like a a foregone conclusion at this point, but I, I think just, 
All of these guys can have, even if Mike White's not that talented, even if Mike White is not the long-term answer, and I think both of those things are probably true, these guys can just have more success because the offense is actually going to function in the way that it is intended because the quarterback fits the system now. So, yeah, I, I have higher hopes for basically everybody, even if Mike White isn't that good or even if he isn't, you know, like I said, the long-term answer because Zach Wilson just doesn't doesn't fit this style of offense, which I think is is, again, it comes back to like, why did you even take Zach Wilson at the second overall pick in the draft unless you thought you could really mold him, which clearly has not happened? Yeah, you know, I don't follow college closely, but man, there were a million red flags once I looked into these quarterbacks, especially when my Niners got a th the number three pick. Um, and I'm convinced Shanahan knew that Wilson was going number two and didn't care. And that's part of the reason he traded up to number three. I mean, just the splits versus Wilson, who always had the best teammates by far around him and the best offensive line and the games in which he played actual good defenses in college. It was uh, there were just a bunch of red flags from people far smarter than me that that followed college. So this isn't exactly shocking. It's funny that Flacco was like, setting records for pass attempts, and then they hid the quarterback. Uh, so I would expect Mike White to be somewhere in between there. Add Elijah Moore, who's going to see more time out of the slot if you're in a deeper league. But it's still going to be a team that relies on defense, a bunch of dump-offs to its backs. And, and Garrett Wilson, man, he's an alpha. So we can't expect... Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be tough for Elijah Moore to eat too much in, in, in this setup, given that Wilson is so, so, you know, is immediately so good. Yeah, uh, definitely just... I would add Elijah Moore, keep him on the bench, see what happens, right? Like just, yeah. to, just because again, I think he's so talented, and and I think just look at the difference between uh, how Salah had responded to like you know what happened with Elijah Moore, and like all right, he's back in the program now, he's back, like they're back feeling good about it, and then what's going on with the quarterback situation? So, you know, Salah's a guy that sets a standard, right? And that's something that he's talked about, and I think that the quarterback obviously has gone outside the standard, and that's that's where we're at at this point. So, um, on the Bears side of this, obviously the biggest question is just like. Where is Justin Fields going to be? He's officially limited in practice here on Wednesday. Um, any sort of like hesitation to play him if he plays because of the injury and because of kind of what we've talked about all week on the podcast, which is the the push and pull of how much they need to run him versus how much they need to kind of dial it back a little bit to preserve him long term. Yeah, the over-under is under 39 and a half. Fields with an inability to run, if it does prevent him running, then yeah, that dramatically affects his fantasy value. I have him as the QB 12 now, you know, fully healthy. He's been a top three for me the last few weeks, obviously setting records running the ball. But I feel like this injury is going to have him play compromise. It's a really bad matchup. So absolutely, I'm keeping my expectations tempered here. Definitely. And, um, you know, for all of the flowers we've thrown at Justin Fields and all the deserved flowers, too, he still struggles as like a pure drop back passer. So um, if, he, if the mobility is compromised, even if like the mobility from, a, you know, rolling outside the pocket, booting, play action, stuff like that, even if that's compromised, it's still like there's got to be growth and development from Fields in that angle, which is fine Like he can figure it out long term he's on the right path whereas the quarterback on the other side here is clearly not on the right path but yeah i pretty much agree with your analysis there you realize uh, that the Justin jet Fields. spread grew sorry i forgot to throw this in the jet spread uh got bigger with this announcement it really? went from four oh. four and a half or four in some places to, to five it, yeah it grew at the uh and also the same with baker mayfield once he got benched to darnold it moved to half oh, a well. point pretty pretty we'll get to pretty. we'll get to that i i agree with that but yeah i mean the jets are a good team bro like their their defense is really really good i think this is going to be a tough uh this would have been a tough outing for the bears either way certainly would be a tough outing uh if justin fields is compromised and like they have good players on offense that's that's why they're in this position like in, in some way the jets are in a bad spot with their quarterback because the team is too good uh but yeah that's that's kind of where we're at all right we'll move on here 
Buccaneers at Browns. Um, we both have notes on the Bucks here for this one. Uh, yours is obviously the most important one here. Is this Rashad White's coming out party? Todd Bowles said today that the Bucks will ride the hot hand at running back, but that Leonard Fournette is, quote, pretty sore with the hip injury that he suffered in Germany. Uh, Bowles said that we'll, they'll see how they progress, and if he can go, he'll go. If he can't, he won't. So this certainly could be Rashad White's uh, coming out party, almost like regardless of whether Leonard Fournette plays or not. Yeah, uh, the Browns are allowing historically bad EPA per rush. We know Brady loves to target his running backs. White looks good. Um, I have him as my RB15 right now. If Fournette were completely ruled out, I could move him as high as, you know, ninth or 10th. Uh, yeah, absolutely love White this this week in this, in this matchup. Now, if, if Fournette does return to a full practice and he could muck this things up a little bit, but I would still absolutely start White, even with an with a active Fournette this week and just obviously lower my expectations a bit. I was pretty surprised um you know pulling up like the fantasy pros consensus rankings to start to start ranking that like Rashad White was that low and I mean some of that's just like it's early in the week or whatever but man I mean yeah he could he could absolutely smash this spot watching the game back uh the Bills and the Browns and I, I get it like the you know the Bills are a great team but they're not like an established to run team and they certainly don't have a great offensive line but particularly on some of those James Cook runs they were bl blowing the Browns off the ball hard. I mean, that might be one of the worst, like, run-stopping units I've ever seen. So, yeah, I mean, Rashad White certainly uh, is in a great spot here. I'm just curious about the Bucks' momentum overall because I think, you know, from a passing game standpoint, that's probably the best that they've looked all year. Like, that's definitely the best that Chris Godwin has looked all year. The last time we saw them against the Seahawks in Germany, um, you know, Mike Evans is, you know, he's been a little hit or miss this year. I think like the chemistry between him and Brady has been a little bit off, but overall, again, I think that's the best they looked and I'm just curious to see how that continues. Uh, I think that Chris Godwin's in a great spot there. And uh, I mean, just on the Brown side, anything there, I mean, like, I think, I think we've kind of gotten to a pretty good point with uh, the Jacoby Brissett Browns. And of course, this will be his last start for the team. Yeah, first, I want to agree with you about the Bucks, and they're coming off a bye now. And if you read the tea, the tea leaves, the coaching, I would guess Fournette does sit this out. But um, uh, that was a, against a tough Seahawks defense. That offense looked pretty good. I know it was weird um, circumstances with the field in Germany, but Brady's on pace to to beat his own record for NFL record for pass attempts and completions in a season. I know the extra game helps, but um, that still was his eyebrow raising. Uh, that that many attempts from him. I think the team wants to to run the ball a little bit more, and I think White's uh, really is. A, in an eruption spot here the browns it's just uh more of the same until we uh you know one more game before we see watson i was one week ahead of Brissett. that was my whole theory too was they're going to fall behind and throw the ball i was just one week behind with the same exact premise so uh it doesn't count but just like we were one year ahead with iu carmen i was one week ahead with my jacoby Brissett uh fantasy recommendation for you dalton you damn professional. Excellent transition here to Saints at 49ers. The 49ers are nine and a half point favorites. Your point on this, uh, literally, you know, again, we do this every week The, the for the preview show. It's one point, one point from each of the persons. Sometimes we usually have three. This week, we only have the two of us. Your point on the on the outline here is just Ayuk. You love to see it. Yeah, how sick was that? Two touchdowns since week four. He's tied for the NFL lead in receiving touchdowns with Devontae Adams, Jamar Chase, and Amari Cooper. Um, that's one thing I kept hammering home is even uh, even when he was not getting it done from a fantasy perspective, the Niners 
always target him at the goal line far more than Kittle or Debo. But now this offense didn't even take its foot off the gas pedal. Um, it looks pretty exciting with all these weapons. Obviously, the yardage won't, isn't there in the targets because you know, they have so many mouths to feed. But injuries will happen. And you just love seeing our guy, Ayuk, cook. You know, that route has just been repeated on He's social amazing. media. Cooking fools, looking sick. And the poor cameraman, I don't know if you saw, but he celebrated by throwing yeah. it at a cameraman's crotch. But uh, uh, McCaffrey went and apologized for him. And, and Ayuk, uh, yeah, our guy, Ayuk. He looked pretty, uh, he looked pretty upset that he, he was like, oh, no. <laughs> that was pretty. Um, but yeah, dude, he looks incredible. And he's looked this good all year. Like from week one, he's been getting open like this and he's just, I mean, he's, he's a dog dude. Like he's as good as any of these guys on the field right now. And this was the whole premise. And, you know, I had some fun with it on Twitter, uh, during the Monday night game, uh, in, you know, a couple of goofballs coming back and be like, yeah, he only had two catches. I'm like, oh, I, I forgot like touchdowns <laughs> don't count. Right. Like, give me a break. But, um, yeah, dude, Ayuk looks awesome. Everybody looks awesome in this offense. And, um, the saints have obviously had a ton of injuries. It was pretty crazy. And this just goes to show how, um, broken, like to the, to the studs, like tear it down to the stud, this offensive line, uh, for LA, the, the saints had m most of all of their big time pass rushers, big time defensive line, like cam Jordan, you know, Davenport, all, all the guys up front were out of that game and they were still consistently crushing the pocket with Matthew Stafford back there. Um, so this is a, a defense that I don't have like a, I don't think they're a needle moving defense there in new Orleans. So this should be, a really good spot for San Francisco to have another, like you said, foot to the foot to the floor uh, gas pedal here moment for them. And conversely, I did lead my bus column with Alvin Kamara this week. I do worry the Niners have like a letdown coming off such an A-plus game in Mexico City on a short week. But Kamara's averaged just 12 touches the last three games, zero opportunities inside the 10, hasn't scored on the road yet this year. Do you know the 49ers have not allowed a running back to reach 60 rushing yards this season or surpass wow. 50 yards receiving, allowing 3.4 yards per carry? The next lowest is 3.8. Games in San Francisco, opponents have an NFL high. 70.5 pass rate uh, and you just mentioned a bunch of injuries along this offensive line for New Orleans so you're still starting Camara, but this is one of the matchups it doesn't look very great on, on paper but who knows maybe it'll just result in a million dump offs with them playing from behind but it does not it looks like one of the tougher matchups you can get right now is facing the Niners when you have a fantasy running back I'm definitely on Andy Dalton watch on this one uh, because obviously the Niners defense can put any quarterback into a blender but man it was pretty Crazy how, you know, just when everybody's like, all right, we need to see Jameis Winston. Like, we need to see Jameis Winston back here. Andy Dalton goes out in week 11. You know, against the Rams defense that has some dudes and has by far his best game. 84% completion rate at 12.8 adjusted yards per attempt. Like, he was absurdly good in that game. Great touchdown pass to Chris Olave, obviously, who, uh, you know, just, I don't know what Jalen Ramsey, is Jalen Ramsey watching any film on Chris Olave? Does he not know how fast Chris Olave is? I don't know what that was. That was all about there squatting on the, the, the come the curl route. Uh, that was, that was pretty wild. But anyways, yeah. So we'll see if Andy Dalton can string together another performance and keep himself on the field. I don't really, I'm not like one of the folks out there. That's like, Oh yeah. Jameis Winston would be so much better for this offense for fantasy. I, you know, disagree with that. I'm not really a Jameis Winston guy, so we'll see what happens there. Um, next game up here, Rams at Chiefs. Obviously, uh, your big point from this one is, is it Isaiah Pacheco season? CEH uh, officially placed on IR. Uh, a couple other injury notes for the Chiefs. Uh, no practice on Wednesday for Kadarius Toney. I don't expect him to play in this game. Turns out, yeah, he actually does have a hamstring problem. What a, what a shock. Uh, Juju is also scheduled to practice today, so it looks like he might come back as well. So on the downside for Pacheco is the Chiefs have the lowest run rate inside the 10 this season, and it's 
it doesn't not seem many targets at all. It's unclear, you know, how awesome he is as a real life player, although he's had his moments to be sure. But on the, the positive, man, no CEH. McKinnon also lost a fumble late. All the receivers are banged up. This is a 14 and a half point home uh, favorite this week. I know the Rams, I could have said a negative also as the Rams defense isn't is an easy opponent. But man, when did that defense, is the defense going to be, you know, fighting as hard in the second half if they're down 20 points in a right. lost season? So I just really like the setup here for Pacheco as a, you know, affordable in DFS and as a borderline top 20 fantasy back uh, this week. So I, I really like his setup this week, despite, you know, the Rams not having an, a bad defense, obviously. Yeah, uh, Eckler and I were talking about how he looks like a kick returner, or you know, running out there, Isaiah Pacheco. Like he's just got a lot of juice. He just really hits when he gets an open hole. Like he can really hit that thing. Um, I think he's, I think he's gonna be good. Like for the rest of the season, for sure. Um, on the receiving uh, note for the Kansas City Chiefs, I definitely. You know, going back and watching that game, you know, even watching it live, Sky Moore was really impressive in that game. Um, you know, and no Kadarius Tony, I think probably for this game. I think Juju will be back, but I'm still, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to like die on the hill or anything like that, but I still think there's a good chance like that Sky Moore earns a role for the rest of the season. Um, just because he was good in this game and like you know, I think he's looked good whenever he's gotten on the field, special teams notwithstanding. Like he has he has not been good on special teams. That's been a disaster. But like he's a guy that I don't think has gotten a lot of hype uh over the last week. And like he never gets as much hype as old Kadarius Tony. So I, I do think Sky Moore makes a makes sense as a guy to to stick on the end of your bench, like if you have space, just to see if that upside ever shows up. Yeah, definitely good to note. Um, I had Tony disgustingly high in my ranks because, of course, I did. And, and of course, he immediately exits with the hamstring, the full Tony experience the last couple of weeks. Uh, just briefly, it uh, looks like Bryce Perkins is going to start this game. And because he he does run the ball, so I didn't put him last. So actually, you know, he he could be possibly usable in super flex leagues. But I have the Chiefs as my number one fantasy D this week. Uh, that yeah. could just be ugly with that team having to throw a lot in the second half there. Again, 14 and a half point home favorites. Yeah, you can miss me with like any sort of mobility excitement on Bryce Perkins, right? Uh, I, we did, didn't we do this with Malik Willis, who's like a legendarily yeah. fast runner? And it's like, I, yeah, I mean, come on, there's nothing going on good in this offense. They cut Daryl Henderson. Um, yeah. We didn't talk about that. Obviously, it happened after we recorded yesterday. Um, man, I mean, I guess it's it's pretty crazy that after all that drama with Cam Akers, like Daryl Henderson gets booted off the it roster. He tweets out like the the sunglasses and like raised hands emoji afterwards. So something's going on there uh, in L.A. with that backfield. But uh, that's probably I don't who cares. Right. Like, don't be playing Cam Akers. Don't be getting excited about Kyron Williams. Um We'll see. I'm, I mean, great. We get to add another quarterback to the long list of dudes, uh, dusty dudes who have thrown to Allen Robinson uh, in his career. So terrific. We'll move on here to Texans at Dolphins. I know you are extremely excited about Jeff Wilson in this matchup, as you should be, Dalton. Yeah, I have him as a top 10 back this week. Just totally taken over since joining Miami before the bye. He had a 61% snap share that last game. Mostert had a 28% snap share. I'm curious, Mostert's practice availability this week as well. Seen far fewer eight-man boxes since joining Miami. Wilson has. He's getting 6.5 yards per carry. Um, he can play on passing downs, short yardage. Houston's the best matchup. So, yeah, what's not to like here? It's almost too obvious. And you can play Mostert if he is back practicing as a solid flex, if not an RB2 in this matchup. I, I mean, I have, I'm, I think I'm going to move Herbert a, a, above Tua this week just because the setup is for really for Miami. Mm. He's not going to have to throw the ball at all in the second half of this game. Kyle Allen starting over your guy, Davis Mills, um, oh, yeah. and Miami at home and near, near, near two touchdown home favorites. So I just smashed the running backs in this setup. I mean, of course... 
I get the why Tyreek Hill is the number one receiver ranked, you know, uh, in fantasy pros this week. But but honestly, I don't know if you'd pay up for him in DFS this week because I just don't see why Miami will have to throw the ball in the second half at all. Yeah, I mean the the fact that this offense is so highly concentrated, like you can still be pretty confident in Tyreek Hill. You can still be pretty confident in Jalen Waddle. I get your point though about like wanting to pay up for them in DFS, maybe not, um, just because. Yeah, like you said, they could build such a lead here. I mean, Kyle Allen, good Lord. Like, you know, uh, well, obviously this is a road game for Davis Mills anyway, so he wouldn't have played. He wouldn't have played well anyways. But um, yeah, I think I think we're past the point of any optimism that like Davis Mills can be anything more than just like a whatever backup quarterback in the NFL. So they're going to like the most whatever backup quarterback in the NFL and Kyle Allen, who. Um, I don't know that that changes anything for a guy like Nico Collins or, you know, Brandon Cooks. Like if you have to use those players and, you know, for for Damian uh, Pierce, we definitely saw the ugly side of the Damian Pierce equation last week, which is, OK, he's not a guy that's going to get like a ton of design passing usage. He's not going to like run real routes like an Austin Eckler or a, or a Christian McCaffrey. So, you know, when when the Texans get absolutely spanked, which they somehow got absolutely spanked by the commanders and they go down on the scoreboard like that. There's a there's definitely a low floor for Damian Pierce. Unfortunately, we saw that last week. And unfortunately, I think we could see it here again if the Dolphins are able to build a a big time lead, which certainly looks likely. Yeah, hopefully Kyle Allen throws it to him. That would be a saving savior here in this matchup. It's it's definitely not a good one on paper. I agree with you. I have him outside of my top. I'd I'd rather start Pacheco this week. Yeah, I'm with you on that one for sure. Next game up here, Broncos at Panthers. Oh, boy, we get Sam Darnold back in our lives, baby. And I think that officially makes this DJ Moore's last stand. Um, Don't again, video team, Lord of Podcasts, do not clip DJ Moore videos out of this. I don't know. I'm I'm trying to get DJ Moore out of my life a little bit, but I know he's definitely a guy that like people are thinking about dropping. I would hold on to him just to see what the Sam Darnold thing goes like. And, you know, Darnold was terrible last year for the Panthers, but at least to start the year, he was feeding DJ Moore. You know, he was uh, getting things going a little bit. And I definitely think Sam Darnold's better than Baker Mayfield. That's not really saying much of anything. I mean, Baker Mayfield at this point doesn't even look like a guy who should be like on an NFL roster. I mean, I don't have a lot of hope against for Sam Darnold, especially against this defense, but it, I mean, but at least it's something it's a, it's a change. And I don't think it means very much again. Do not clip. I do not want to see this video clipped out of this podcast. Yeah, it's one of the lowest over-unders you'll ever see in an NFL game, 36 or 36 and a half. I'll just add that I uh, also uh, included Donta Foreman in my in my bus slash disappointment players this week. JJ tweeted that he basically he's impressed at times for sure, but he's all his productions come against the two games against the Falcons, 31.8 fantasy points, 19 in the other. And then his other two games have been 4.1 and 2.4 fantasy points. He actually only saw a third of the snaps after the first quarter last week. And the Broncos are a very good defense. So um, yeah, I would just temper expectations on Foreman, who's admittedly looked like a beast at at times this season. Yeah, he just he's a even more extreme version of what we talked about with Tamian Pierce, where he has like no passing game equity and he's on a bad team. And uh, I don't think he's really, I mean, Foreman does look really good, but he's not as talented as Damian Pierce. And he's not like a, probably not like a building block for this team. Uh, no. Anyways, where I think Pierce is a building block for the Texans. So yeah, it's just, these guys can get game scripted out and these teams are certainly, um, you know, one to be put, you know, pushed on the scoreboard. Right. But then again, though, Dalton, how much pushing are the Broncos going to be doing on the other side of this one? Because this uh, offense is is so bad. I mean, how is what? 
<laughs> how much longer is Nathaniel Hackett going to hold this job down? Man, Russell Wilson, the league worst TD percentage in the red zone, uh, the whole bathroom uh, thing. How many touchdown passes is he going to have more than the bathrooms in his house? He's on pace to finish with fewer touchdown passes. It's just crazy. I was looking this up. He's 55.4 is his million is his cap hit in 2025 when he's 37 years old. They have an out after that. But wow, I mean, this is crazy. I mean, he struggled especially when throwing to running backs and tight ends. Um, Dulcich has benefited from two busted coverages. Uh, Sutton proved that he's not an alpha at all. Um, yeah, this is kind of a disaster. I mean, Latavius Murray is the last man standing in the backfield, so you got to use him because the Broncos' defense is so good that's going to help him. But yeah, this is uh, this is just an ugly game for fantasy all around. Yeah, like I'd rather play Latavius Murray than Donta Foreman in this like in yep. this individual match. We've had those two guys, and um, yeah, it's not like a statement on how excited I am about uh, Latavius Murray or the Broncos or anything like that. It just, good lord, I mean, it's just is a disaster. It's just a disaster. <laughs> Seriously though, I do think I do think Hackett is one and done. Like, I, uh, oh yeah, I'll, yeah, I'd be shocked if he's not. Yes, at this point, I mean, yeah, I mean, they made the they lost to Josh McDaniels twice, right? Yeah, right. I, I think that's right. Yeah, I mean, and I think so. Look at it. Like, look at it this way, man. You know, they he takes the game day management. Uh, he gets a, like an assistant for that, like to to you know to get that stuff off his plate. He gets the play calling taken off his plate. Passes that to Clint Kubiak. What does he do? Like, what is he doing here? And they still screw up the game oh. management stuff. At the end of Did, that okay, game. I don't want to go too. I, I hate to litigate this too much, and maybe I missed it. I, almost, I, I honestly deleted a whole paragraph from my fantasy rap column. I'm like, it's just too much. But did Hackett? Am I hallucinating more than usual? I should say, or did Hackett not call a timeout when the Raiders made a he did. forty, like a forty-two yard play, and they were sprinting? They were a hundred percent going to spike the ball without a timeout, yes. right? Yes. And Hackett, and Hackett waits, yes. and he calls a timeout for them. I mean, Correct, yeah. dude, he shouldn't have made the bus. He should have been fired. I mean, that that is just <laughs> insane. Like, I mean, what? He's calling a timeout when the opponents are sprinting to lose a down. It would have been perfect had the, had the Raiders scored a touchdown on third down there to win it, you know, because uh, the extra down, they got a whole extra extra play to try to win the game. But maybe it was more fitting that they decided to not guard Devontae Adams in overtime. I mean, I guess they, that was just as laughable, I guess. I think that was just a great play by Devontae, but I mean, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, all right, fair enough. What a beast, man. That guy's oh, awesome. I mean, you just got to throw out the one game where he was sick, too. Let's all not forget that, like when you look at his season yeah, stats. Seriously. Yeah, uh, we'll, get, we'll get to the Raiders later on. I got a lot of thoughts on that. But yeah, man, I mean, I agree with you. I don't even know what he's doing. I don't even know what he's doing. Like, just you have uh, Giro Evero there, like who's had a great season as defensive coordinator. And like, you know, you might as well just see if he can be the interim head coach at this point, maybe like the permanent head coach and then try to figure it out on offense or something like that. What's it's on, like, There's no way. There's just no way. Like the whole city will will burn down, I think. Like Frank Schwab has talked about that. Our own Frank Schwab is like, if the whole if the fans have already turned on this guy. So I don't even know what the point is. New ownership, all that stuff. But uh, yeah. All right, we'll move on. Falcons at Commanders. This one's got a 41 and a half over under. I feel like this could be a sneaky fantasy game. Um, you're obviously very excited about Terry McLaurin. I'm always excited about Terry McLaurin. Talk to me about it. Yeah, sorry, I'm going to have to repeat a couple of stats you've heard me say already, but his target rate jumps from 16%. I mean, this is the, th with, this is the third time we've talked this week, Dalton. With, so, with uh, Carson no Wentz to 32%. <laughs> Taylor Heineke. I mean, it doubles. Come on. Uh, but, dude, I love the stat that the, the Falcons have just four quarterback hurries this season. The, the Patriots have That's more insane. than 50. 
They're allowing the second most fantasy points to wide receivers. So, all right, we'll just stop there. Treat Scary Terry as a top 10 fantasy wideout. Uh, I know Dotson's returned, but he has not seen the targets at all. McLaurin uh, and Heineke have this connection in this matchup. I have him as a top 10 fantasy wideout. Yeah, we're on the same page there. And, um, you know, for like, it's crazy because this defense is so, so bad uh, for Atlanta. But um, do you have any sort of like, I don't know, lean one way or the other? Like when it comes to Jahan, like John Dotson jumped Curtis Samuel in his game back 82.1% of the routes per drop back. Um, that was higher than Curtis Samuel, who was 75. Uh, that was tied with Terry McLaurin in terms of routes uh, on the team. But like you said, the targets haven't been there uh, for Jahan Dotson. I, I definitely think he, I mean, he like had a high ankle sprain and then he aggravated. I get it. If like the, the rest of the year is just like not going to be like a needle mover type for him. And and Samuel's targets have obviously fallen off a little bit, which I think is fine. Like he, he's a, he's a role player, good, really good role player, but uh, you don't need to be targeting him. Like Carson Wentz was, you know, like seven, eight times per game or whatever to start the season. But like, I think if you're desperate, you could probably throw Curtis Samuel out there just cause he's been, he's been good this year and he does get some rushing equity as well. Yeah, that's yeah. Both of them just depends on your alternatives and whatnot. But uh, they they definitely lose value given Heineke's targeting uh, McLaurin on nearly a third of his uh, pass attempts. But sure, th- that's a situation to, that's fluid. I'm curious how, how the, the touches dole out with Samuel and Dotson, given that both Robinson and Gibson are getting touches in the backfield and a ho- healthy Logan Thomas. So really, it's McLaurin, and then you better be in a deeper fantasy league to use the, the pa- other pass catchers for me. For sure. Uh, I do think Antonio Gibson, really good play here, like you mentioned. Um, I mean, both the running backs, for sure. But I think Gibson, because three targets, uh, 31 yards last week uh, against the Texans, like he's just consistently been involved as a pass catcher. So I feel like he's in, he's kind of like an every week RB two to me at this point, Gibson, because of that passing usage. And this is a really good matchup Uh, on the Falcon side of it. My question here, Dalton is does Kyle Pitts injury. Does it open up any of the target percentage? There's been some like, I mean, just bizarre stuff on Twitter about Kyle, about uh, Drake London. I mean, I, I won't even get into all of it, but like Drake London has been awesome this year. There's just not like, there's not a lot of juice in this offense. Uh, so <laughs> I don't really know what like it, Drake London's just been good this year, but I, I think he's, I think the problem is this is a really, really good pass defense. The pass rush has started to live up to expectations. Um, I, I know that there's some stats yeah. obviously about the, like the big plays they give up on the, on the, uh, on the back end, but I feel like this defense is starting to come around to the point that I wouldn't get excited about anybody in Atlanta this week. Yeah, Washington's pass rush killed our Nico Collins thesis last week. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was a big issue. They, they're getting Chase Young hasn't even played yet. So this, uh, yeah, they're beast, uh, this uh, defensive front. And that may prevent Drake London from putting up fantasy stats this week. But I'm ranking him as a as startable with no Kyle Pitts and Washington's elite run defense. Second in DVOA against the run yeah. is just going to force Atlanta to throw more than they than they want. And I mean, Drake London and there's literally no one else there, really. So. Um, I do like him as a flex play this week, but I hear you. Maybe it might just be such a disaster as far as uh, playing in grass, Mariota harassed constantly. It may not end well, but I think the setup is he's worthy of being a top 35 ranking. Yeah, I think that's fair. Like I wouldn't go out of my way to play him. I wouldn't like outright avoid him either uh, because he still has like touchdown equity. The target should be there. And I, I, I just continue to say this about the Falcons offense. Like when you actually watch them and you really under, like understand what you're watching on film, like they do so much to open up guys like Olamide Zacchaeus. They do so much to open up guys like Demir Bird. And again, we don't think those dudes are like big time players. We think Drake London and Kyle Pitts are big time players, but 
the plays work when they go to those guys and the quarterback actually executes it. So I really still can't wait to see like, you know, I, I had a few folks ask me, like, do you, what do you, you know, Drake London's yardage is declining. Like, is that a problem going forward? I'm like, no, Marcus Mariota is his quarterback. He won't be his quarterback forever. Like, we'll see what this offense looks like in 2023. But um, again, before I get on any soapbox there, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll preview the rest of the week 12 slate. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, Dalton, Ravens at Jaguars. Jaguars coming off a bye, and they're facing a surging Baltimore defense. Yeah, I didn't have much to say here. Just curious, Trevor Lawrence, you know, has he improved? How much has he improved? So much struggling in the red zone against just a really good Baltimore defense. Love watching ETN run. But yeah, I, didn't, I don't have a ton to say on this one. No, me neither. Uh, I feel like these are two teams that are pretty straightforward, um, especially on the Jaguar side. Like ETNs and every week start top 12 running back, even though this is a, a difficult spot for him. Christian Kirk, I feel like is an every week wide receiver, high end wide receiver, too, at the at the worst. Uh, you know, this, again, doesn't look like a clean matchup, but I can certainly see him getting a ton of targets out of the slot, you know, potentially scoring a touchdown. So, um the Jaguars are just a really, really good team uh, it, for fantasy because they're so clean cut on the distribution there. Like nobody really, nobody else really pops up. Like we don't care about Zay Jones. We don't care about Marvin Jones, like these other guys. So yeah, to me, that feels really clean cut. And then on the other side, I'd love to, you know, play some Ravens, but my God, I mean, you know, Lamar, obviously the rushing hasn't necessarily been there. We've talked about the pass catching problems. Like Demarcus Robinson pops up for nine catches and I feel no, like I feel nothing about that. like that. That does nothing for me. Um, I guess if you need like a deep wide receiver four play, you go back to him because the Jaguars past defense has been pretty bad this year. But uh, man, I just don't have a lot of faith in like what's going on there in the passing game for Baltimore and, and really same with the rushing attack, too. And I liked Drake as a DFS sleeper last week. And then Edwards was ruled out Saturday night. And suddenly his roster percentage went through the absolute roof, uh, Drake's. And he, of course, disappointed, although nearly scored uh, there. But um, yeah, you can't use our backfield. Gus Edwards is probably going to return. You mentioned the receivers. Uh, Mark Andrews might be due for a blow-up game if he's getting a little healthier. I could kind of see that if there's a spot here for for Andrews in DFS. But um, yeah, otherwise... Um, there's not a lot to like in, in the in the Baltimore offense the way it's currently constructed, you know, as far as running backs and receivers. I do like that call about um uh, about Mark Andrews though. That's a good one. Like this, he certainly is due for that blow up game. I know that's people hate like that analysis. He's due for it, but if he's healthy, like the usage metrics are still there, all that stuff. So yeah, I, I agree with that call. All right, next game up here, Bengals at Titans. Uh, your note on this game is the health of Mixon and Chase. It sounds like um, Jamar Chase is going to give it a go and play this week. 
Yeah, Tennessee's had one of the best defenses, according to DVOA, the last five or six weeks, um, especially against the run, though. So you could, I mean, it could be a Burrow game as well, especially if he gets chased back. So this could be a fun one. Frankly, I'm surprised the over-under is low 40s. Um, but um, yeah, it should be should be a close game back and forth with a lot of uh, fantasy goodness and obviously depends on Mixon's availability for Samaj P. Ryan and Chase affects, uh, obviously, Boyd and Higgins, who finally had a big game without him last week. Yeah, and I, I would still feel really good about T. Higgins in this game, too. Um, it's just, you know, the the weeks where the Bengals offense has gone in the absolute tank is when they get a ton of pressure on them. And the Tennessee Titans, for all their like lack of you know edge rushing personnel, uh, obviously they had lost Harold Landry coming into the season. They still are a really good rush. I mean, Jeffrey Simmons, I think, is a guy that should be considered like right up there with like Chris Jones and Aaron Donald, like some of the best interior players in the NFL right now. And, you know, it could certainly make life miserable for Burrow in this one. But, um, you know, I think you're still pretty excited about the passing game there. Everyone said tenn- he struggled against the two high and, and TJ Watt last week, and it didn't didn't seem to affect him without Chase. He, he balled. But uh, absolutely, Tennessee's coaching so good, man. I'm, I'm, ty- I'm, I'm not overlooking that squad in any, any given week. Uh, that's that's probably why that, the, you know, the the over under is low for a reason. You know, Vegas is, is not dumb. Yeah, I mean, the. Titans defense is just one of the best in the NFL and like it's not the cleanest spot for Samaj let's say let's say uh Joe Mixon sits and Samaj Piran starts like where would you rank him in terms of your running backs against a run defense in Tennessee that's been one of the two or three best in the NFL that's a great question his ECR is the uh running back 35 and that seems totally yeah more of a more of a flex option because they have had very little success running the ball with Mixon all year outside of the Panthers game so he's like a flex option he'd see some some targets so you're starting him if Mixon's not out and with the running backs you know I mean highly doubt you have two or three better options yeah P Ryan's uh most of his juice came in the past game uh last week and he weirdly has been like their passing down back. I've always thought that's kind of strange, but um, he could get home in that way too. So even if the rushing game doesn't really get there, he can certainly get home a little bit as a pass catcher. Although I'm not expecting like the receiving performance that he had against the Steelers last week. That's, that's a little bit fluky, but on the Tennessee side, man, um, Traylon Burks, I'm curious to see if his rise continues. You know, he only ran a route on 65.6% of the dropbacks against the Packers in week 11, but 41.8% of the air yards, 20, 29.6% of the targets. Um, you know, one thing I remember thinking when the game against Kansas City, when Malik Willis is like throwing the go balls to these guys like Chris Conley or whatever, and they're just like not making a play. I'm like, look, I've got my questions about Traylon Burks as like a full field route runner, whatever, but I'll tell you what he can do. He can make plays on go balls. Like he can win contested. He can get down the field. And we saw that on Thursday night against the Packers. What are your expectations for uh, Traylon Burks as he continues to sort of get playing time coming off that injury. The flex option, I like him. The clear best receiving option on the team, but as you've mentioned repeatedly, a limited route runner still, very raw. A late catch helped his stats last week, but it's clear the team had bigger plans from him for him coming out of the bye, and I expect more of the same moving forward. He's a wide receiver three for me. Yeah, for sure. Um, and again, I, yeah, I've got my questions about him as a player, but I don't think he stinks. Like I've never said like no, Traylon no, right, Burks right, can't play, right. right? It's just there's questions about the development there. But like, just look at the rest of the dudes on this roster. I mean, Nick Westbrook Akina, he's made some plays this year, right? Like, but not a needle moving guy. Like Robert Woods, I think was in decline prior to his ACL last year. So um, we've seen more and more of that. Like, why not continue to get Traylon Burks some looks and like. One thing I was kind of encouraged by um, was that he was about a uh, you know 
almost a 20% slot player um, against the, against the Packers. Like that's good. Like if you get him some targets from the inside, that'll help him more and more. Uh, I don't think he's ever going to be a full-time slot player. I think he'd be great as a full-time slot player, Traylon Burks. But um, if you can get him those schemed looks, like that's good stuff. Uh, that'll help uh, get him some layups uh, where get him away from press coverage where I still think he struggles. But 100%, like the go route that he made to play on against uh, Jair Alexander and did the did the too small thing, we could continue to see more of that stuff from Traylon Burks. All right, next game up here. Chargers at Cardinals, 47 and a half over under my thing on this game. Uh, can the Cardinals keep the same dudes on the field for like 10 seconds? You know, my God, Rondell Moore already ruled out. He's not going to play this week. That was pretty uh, easy to see when he got injured right away and then just was ruled out so fast. He's going to miss this game. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury said that Hollywood Brown is probably going to be back, but he's going to be on a pitch count. You know, we, we know they lost Zach Ertz for the rest of the season. They had, didn't have DeAndre Hopkins to start the season. James Conner has missed time this year. They just fired a coach for groping a woman in Mexico City. I mean, not a lot of good vibes there around the Arizona Cardinals. And the injury problems are like... I, I don't want to like give any excuses here, but you know, we talked about this with Austin, like on the other side of it, the, the Chargers have been able to stay above water through all of these injury uh, things going on there. I mean, just a ton of injuries for LA Arizona has continued to take on water and take on injuries at the same time. Oh man, Rondo Moore injured literally while getting a negative six yards on the first snap of the game. That's brutal. And not, um, it just was brutal. Then Greg Dortch apparently suffered an injury late in that game. I, I expect Kyler Murray uh, to return, but maybe he won't be running as much with the hamstring injury. And it's clear the team didn't really think Trey McBride was ready, you know, until Ertz got hurt. So yeah, a lot of a lot of in- injuries there, but at least Hopkins was able to play through his. And um, yeah, it's it's not a lot to like in Arizona, man. It's just been a really, really bad, bad year for them. And yeah, conversely, I love Herbert in this setup. I mean, he had, I think he's pr- finally feeling healthier with his ribs. Four straight games, failing to reach 6.0 YPA and then 9.3 last week with Keenan Allen back. Too bad Mike Williams. But as I said before, I'm ranking Herbert possibly above Tua this week as a top five guy. I love indoors, the over-unders approaching 50. So I really like Herbert. Love Herbert this week. I think um, Keenan Allen being back, like you just you just can't talk about how important that is. Like I, I posed the question to Austin yesterday, and I'll pose it here to you. Like, w- like name me a team that could withstand losing their number one receiver. And I know that there was like a debate in the preseason, like who's the real number one receiver, Mike Williams or Keenan Allen. I didn't. Th- I, th- I think it's clearly Keenan Allen. Like in terms of uh, where, like this, like who's the real number one receiver of this team? I mean, like a team like Cincinnati can lose Jamar Chase because they have another real alpha in T. Higgins. I don't think that Mike Williams is at that level of player. So yeah, like which team across the NFL could lose their number one receiver and like and and not and just like continue to roll? I and like the Chargers have not continued to roll on offense, but look great with Keenan Allen back there. Yeah, only non-Mahomes. Does that count? You lose a guy who's going to have the most yards ever and still throw for the most yards ever. But uh, yeah, true. Uh, it's 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 very true that Keenan Allen was, I mean, not just Keenan Allen, the loss of Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. And then, and then you know, Josh Palmer is rather pedestrian. And then Everett's been hurt too. So it's just a total, like, you know, combination of injuries as well. But it doesn't sound like Mike Williams can be back anytime soon. No, but yeah. hopefully Keenan Allen can remain on the field. And uh, it must be noted that Austin Eckler's targets and catches went way down with, with Allen's return. So I know he likes yeah. that, um, but fantasy managers, you know, it's something to to, to consider if you're you know, debating DFS. Obviously, I mean, he's going to be a top three guy the rest of the year, but, you know, the targets may not be there with a healthy Allen. Yeah, I think it's 100 percent worth noting. Uh, and he's 
pretty much confirmed it. Like he doesn't expect to catch the same amount of passes when Keenan Allen's back there. Uh, and not just like, not just the Keenan Allen thing, but like, obviously he's a big one because he works, you know, the, over the middle works short areas of the field because he's a great route runner, that type of stuff. But just when you have healthy wide receivers, like again, yeah, it's great for fantasy. You catching like 13 balls out of the backfield, but it's not, it's not good offense, right? Like, because a lot of those have been check downs, not even like, designed routes or anything like that it's just like oh yep nobody's open the pass rush is coming because we got injuries there i gotta just dump the ball off to eckler and i even think that i think sometimes herbert gets to that check down a little too quickly i think he could kind of sit in there and like let those routes develop and stuff like that but it's it's easier to say that when a guy like keenan allen is there versus you know deandre carter or whatever who's like a kick returner but um last note on the arizona side a couple of things one i think trey mcbride Obviously, they probably didn't trust him uh, when Zach Ertz was there, but ran around on 73.5% of the dropbacks uh, against the San Francisco 49ers. You know, he didn't get a ton of air yards, anything like that, but still got four targets out there. I think it without Rondale Moore, if Greg George is hurt too, I do think Trey McBride can be, I don't want to say like a tight end one, but I think he could be on that fringe uh, of a guy that you're considering starting. And I will ask you about Kyler Murray. Like, let's just say you have... um, like let's just say you have a guy like Jared Goff or somebody that's going on the Thanksgiving games. I know we've already seen those games, whatever. By the time we listen to this podcast, but would you would you risk like Kyler Murray, um, like in, you know potentially starting, or would you just like find an alternative uh, because of this because of all the injuries there? From what I read, I think he's playing. I'd be comfortable enough to to have him as a top fifteen QB, and I'd probably bump him up from from here. So I think in this matchup indoors, this over under. Uh, you better have a, a solid option more than Murray, I would say. By the way, when we're talking about shaky quarterbacks, uh, as we're recording this, Justin Fields has said that he his injury is a separated shoulder with partially torn ligaments and a sprained AC joint. Really? That doesn't sound ideal to play quarterback in the NFL with that, too. So, yeah, I mean, these uh, Murray, I, 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 I'm optimistic he plays this week, and it's uh, anyone's guess, you know, how much that compromises his running ability. But it sounded like he was relatively close to playing, and they wanted him to be full go. So I, I think he's he's going to – it's more like green light for him in Week 12. All right, sounds good. It was weird, like, how uh, there were a bunch of insiders who were like, no, nah, it's not a separated shoulder. It's not like – Almost as if they had gotten that from like his agent or whatever, right? They all like came out at the same time. That's, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. usually how it happens. But then Schefter was still like, no, it's a separated shoulder. And I mean, so, I don't know. Very, very strange there. Interesting. Uh, Raiders at Seahawks, uh, last game up before we get to the primetime ones. Um, we talked, you hinted at a little bit earlier with Devontae Adams, like, with all of these injuries, you know, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, and just like the way Josh, like j- these guys have just incredible fantasy roles, Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs, you know, dominating the targets is Devontae Adams. He's been a great player this year. Josh Jacobs gets 100% of the running back carries um, last week against the Denver Broncos. I, I mean, those two guys, like, that's all that matters uh, in Las Vegas. And that's a great setup for fantasy, even though obviously it's not what we expected for this team uh, going going into the season. Absolutely. Devontae Adams put up just a monstrous season outside of Rodgers and the target rate is just is just out of control. So, yeah, I mean, you're treating them as elite top. I mean, based on on just projected volume, I mean, Jacobs and Adams are like top three, top three guys weekly. Yeah, it's, it's it, they're great roles. Conversely, Kenneth Walker, I'm very tempted to rank as my number one fantasy back this week. Last time we saw him, he saw eight targets. Uh, yes, he struggled running the ball against Tampa Bay, but coming out of the bye. Um, in this matchup against the Raiders at home, I like the game script. I think he's going to totally smash here. So I really, really like Walker in this matchup. But obviously everyone does. But I'm saying he could finish as the top fantasy back this week. Um, how do you feel about the um, 
How do you feel about the the Seahawks wide receivers? You know, the Raiders, obviously, their secondary has been a disaster. Uh, Max Crosby's great. Chandler Jones has given them nothing. Um, do, how do we feel about, like, the starting DK Metcalf? Like, what's his ceiling? Obviously, like, what's Tyler Lockett's ceiling? We've seen, you know, Noah Fant get a little more involved uh, in the passing game as well. And obviously, Kenneth Walker get more involved. Like, that could shave a few targets away from the wide receivers. But this feels like a great spot to get back on board with the Seahawks wide receivers against a, a pretty broken uh, Raiders pass defense. DK Metcalf is is not what people ex- have expected for him at all this season. He is uh, actually only averaging 10.2 fantasy points per game in half PPR, not even a top 25 fantasy wideout. But um, d- doesn't it feel like he's been better than that to you, Harmon? Yes. Well, I think he's had like some bigger games, right? Like, um, but then he's had some kind of weirder games here and there. And, and he definitely like just in terms of volume, he's still had great, you know, great target share. stuff. it does. Yeah, no, you're right. It does feel like he's been better than that. I think especially with Gino playing so well, but I mean, I'm still starting them. Don't get me wrong. And he's obviously a beast that gets targeted in the end zone uh, and, and, and Lockett's good too. And, and the concentrated targets. Um, and this is a, a nice get right matchup. As we spoke last week, the Raiders were allowing uh, a higher passer rating than Mahomes' career mark. So absolutely start. Yes. Yeah, start Lockett, start Metcalf, start Walker and Gino in this matchup. I think probably what it is, like, I'm just looking at his game log right now. You know, he started out the season, seven catches, 36 yards, four catches, 35 yards, DK Metcalf. Then in uh, week seven, he had a one catch, 12-yard game. Week six, he had a two catch, 34-yard game. Uh, but pretty much every other game than that, like 64 yards, touchdown, 149 yards, 88 yards at a touchdown, 55 yards, touchdown, 37 yards, touchdown, 71 yards. Like, I feel like just the floor games have been so low, like sub 40 yards, one catch, something like that. I, that prob- that's probably the explanation there. But yeah, no, it's it's an interesting one because he, he had, it's felt like he's been better than that uh, for sure. And I mean, still like. For what I guess for what, what you drafted him, you're probably like I not if I had I didn't draft many DK Metcalf teams, but I feel like I'd I'd feel pretty good about that given like what the expectations were and like on the other side of it too, like Tyler Lockett definitely you feel great about. Oh, yeah. Um he's had he's had real st- he's had much more like steady production, I think. But like where's where's Lockett rank in terms of like fantasy per like fantasy points per game? I don't know. I wish I had it up. <laughs> I could look I could look it up. So, so yeah, Tyler Lockett's wide receiver 14 in um, total points. DK Metcalf is thir- 24, 24, just in like total points. Uh, so, right. yeah, I mean, Lockett's been great this year. Um, and, and, you know, conversely, like, yeah, the, I think the problem is, and obviously Metcalf has left game. He left the game with an injury. Um, he left the game to poop the one time. So, yeah, there's, there's been some of that. Totally. But yeah, I, I forgot feel like, about that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the the poop cart, the poop cart gate. That was the uh, that was the Lions game, right? Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, and Lockett's- he's playing through like an injury that people thought was going to cost him the season. So yeah, yeah, it all it makes sense. I forgot he left that game early too. So fair. Yeah, that was the Arizona game. Um, I think where he had that where he had the patella injury, right, or something like that. But anyways, yeah, we're, we're talking a lot about this. Regardless, like these two guys are great. I'm very curious to see how John edits that together. Yep. But uh, yeah, yeah, make that a, make that's the video right there. Uh, us, us going back and forth, <laughs> clicking on the stats. Uh, yeah, so yeah. These guys are great. I am I am a little curious, though, to see if Noah Fant continues to hold a decent target share, if Kenneth Walker target share, like if that shaves off a little bit from these receivers. But yeah, great starts, I think, in this game. Um, I'm very excited about both of them. I'm also very excited uh, about this Sunday night football game that we have, Packers at Eagles. Um, you know, talk about something, Dalton, we already talked about this week in our Toyota video. 
I'm really excited about Miles Sanders as a bounce back this week. Two slow games, but two really good run defenses that he's gone up against. Um, Colts have a good run defense. Slow game, obviously, against Indianapolis. They lose on Monday night against uh, Washington Commanders, but the Commanders have a great run defense. So for me, Miles Sanders is a guy that you can trust in a bounce back spot here against a bottom five rushing defense in terms of success rate and EPA uh, per play allowed. So I feel really good about Miles Sanders going into this matchup. Yeah, 29th against the run in DVOA. Um, the Packers, uh, when I saw you put this note on your outline, I, I thought about it and I moved him up my my ranks. Yeah, no Goddard. Uh, yes, the, the targets haven't been there, but um, I do like this setup for real, real nice bounce back for Sanders. I'm with you here. They really dialed back the pass attempts, too. And a lot of that was Jalen Hurts' designed runs against uh, against Indianapolis, which was kind of interesting, like that they really went so heavy designed rushing with, with Jalen Hurts against Indianapolis. But still, like... Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty. It was pretty interesting there, like how uh how they how they dialed that back. But that still could be something that is an adjustment to the post Dallas Goddard life because you know Quez Watkins is a guy that's going to pop up for you know big plays every now and again, but not a volume guy. I don't think anybody's going to be a volume guy beyond AJ Brown and and uh, Devontae Smith, who I I really like both the well I really like both those players uh, in this matchup. Even though obviously the strength of Green Bay's defense is typically their pass defense, but regardless, love both those guys. Talking about the other side, obviously Christian Watson has been cooking lately. Yeah, I'm excited to see him. So weirdly that I guess he did all that damage against a Dallas defense that played a weird amount of man when they've been predominantly zone otherwise. Um, obviously, Watson has uh, passed the eye test, but now he gets an Eagles secondary allowing an NFL low 5.1 yards per attempt, more interceptions than touchdowns allowed. Obviously, uh, Rodgers uh, is going to have to win this game uh, putting up points because the Eagles are going to themselves. So uh, Lazard is a, is a buy low here a little too, though. If you look at his underlying stats and the air yardage share and all that stuff, he he's really uh, absolutely you're starting him too as well in this matchup, even with against a tough secondary. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Maybe they're going to rely heavily on Aaron Jones, but man, with, with the way Watson is putting up all these touchdowns and against this secondary, I'll definitely be uh, looking forward to watching that. Yeah, Alan Lazard ran around on 97.5% of the dropbacks. He had a 46% air yard share against Tennessee. It just didn't really all come together. Obviously, in the box score, 5 for 57 on 11 targets, but I agree with you that he could be uh, a rebound guy here. And Christian Watson, like, he's going to be volatile. Uh, this could certainly yeah. be a, a down game for him, totally. but still think it's worth uh, chasing the upside there. I mean, I think he's a guy. I definitely think he's a guy you can you can start as a wide receiver two, wide receiver three, and feel pretty good about it. Just because, like, he's been responding and he's been playing well, even if again it's in limited uh, fashions. Like, it's pretty much crossing routes and go routes, but and deep over routes. But that's fine. Like, this offense really, really needs somebody like that. Um, I, I definitely think this could be a big Aaron Jones game. You know, I'm always trying to manifest big Aaron Jones game. Well, I don't. I, at this point, who cares? My good teams don't aren't my Aaron Jones teams. <laughs> Let me tell you that in fantasy, but. It's, it could be a good so, spot. Oh, go so for this it. One, sorry, but, uh, this, Jonathan Taylor looked great that first drive, and then you got the Linville, Joseph, and Sue uh, replaced. They just shut I him know, down yeah. the rest of the game. So that run defense, you know, that it really did look like it made an immediate impact. Just, just, just wanted to point that out when you're talking Aaron Jones. That was I was going to say that because like this could be one of those situations where 
you always know who's like not really paying attention to real football. They're just like, you know, fantasy points versus the Eagles running back fantasy points. It's like, well, they just signed two big ass dudes to sit there in the middle of the defense and like fix this problem. So um, that might be a situation that will be something that like kind of is an inflection point for the Eagles defense. If they're not able to slow down Aaron Jones, um, then all right, maybe these two veteran guys didn't solve the problem. But um, if they shut down this Packers running game on Sunday Night Football, it's like, okay, they fix this problem. And like we need to adjust our expectations for running backs against the Eagles going forward, regardless of what the metrics say, uh, because it's a different unit. Um, I shout out to Howie Roseman for just being like, you know what? I'm sick of us getting run all over. We'll just call up the NFL mercenary and, and Dominican Sue, get him to come in here. We're trying to win a Super Bowl. Linval Joseph, why don't you come on into your big guy? Come and just plug this hole up for us. A shout out to Howie Roseman for that one. You got to be so pumped if you're an Eagles fan to go and do that. Supposedly, Sue came down to either you chose them over the Niners, it came out of two teams. But yeah, why not add just one? Go ahead and add both. Supposedly, the same exact contracts, too. Yeah, pretty pretty good stuff there. All right, last game up here, Steelers at Colts. Oh, what a Monday night banger we're going to get there. Um, talk to me about the Steelers offense. You know, I'll say this about uh, Kenny Pickett and Najee Harris. They both look pretty good in that game against the Bengals. I don't think Kenny Pickett's like hopeless. I just, I do still question where his ceiling is long-term. Um, and it just like, we're, n- I, we're never going to get, uh, we're never going to get consistently good things out of this offense. I mean, this, it still drives me crazy. Uh, I, I have a very, very good, uh, I told producer John this before our taping with Eckler yesterday. I've got a really good compare, a really good comp for the, uh, for the Matt Cannon offense. It's just uh, wildly inappropriate, so I can't say it on this <laughs> podcast, and I won't even say it on social media, so don't ask me. But, uh, yeah, uh, very, you know, my frustrations with this offense are pretty well documented, but, uh, you know, Kenny Pickett did look pretty decent uh, against the Bengals. I put Pickens over Deontay Johnson on the outline just to give you a hard time, uh, despite the dude dropping an easy 40-yard touchdown You're not wrong, uh, uh, last week. Um, but I think Najee Harris is probably more important to talk about. He looked good. I mean, it goes from uh, his knee being compromised midweek to back-to-back um, 4.5 yards per carry and then 5.0 yards per carry the game before that. And that was against the Bengals defense last week with DJ Reader playing. And he saw six targets and Jalen Warren left injured. So suddenly a guy who I was whom I was comparing Trent Richardson to is now back to being, you know, a viable top 20 fantasy guy. Uh, the workload there and especially if Warren is forced to, to sit out this, this game uh, on Monday night. Yeah, no, Jalen Warren not being out there could be a big deal. 24 touches uh, for Najee Harris. Like, that's sort of the guy we thought, right? The targets were there. The, the, the touches were there overall. Um, you know, the Colts do have a good run defense. Uh, they have a good front seven overall. But, um, you know, I, I think this could be a really good bounce back spot for Najee Harris. And, you know, I mean, most of the Najee Harris teams are probably eliminated from the from the playoffs uh, because it didn't go <laughs> no. so well uh, taking him early in the, in the season. But still, I do like that. And look, on the pick and stuff. I mean, he could definitely he could definitely be better than Deontay Johnson. I like Deontay Johnson, and he's great. He's a great, great route runner. But there's there's certainly some like little mistakes that Deontay Johnson makes, uh, like that. I don't think he's like a elite player or anything like that. And Pickens has great upside, even though I think he's been a little bit more boomer bust um, as a player than people really want to admit. But that certainly showed up in the Bengals game too. There's a lot of plays where he doesn't get separation. He's still learning as a route runner, but he's got a a lot of potential. So like if in 2023, we're like, we're all agreeing. Oh, yeah, Deontay Johnson is not a better player than George Pickens. I won't be one to fight you on that. I love George Pickens. So, like, I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to fight you on that one, cool. buddy. Um, but, yeah, Fair. okay. on the other side of it, 
Michael Pittman, um, you know, that's a guy I love. And I think this is a really good bounce back spot for him. Um, the Steelers got after it a little bit with Joe Burrow. They had um, two crazy interceptions in that game. One by Levi Wallace was like especially a uh, bit of a face melter there. But still, the Steelers play uh, zone coverage on 62% of their plays. They are seventh in terms of explosive plays allowed this year. Um, I think that's going to continue. The secondary has some issues. This could be a good spot for Michael Pittman to actually like get a big play loose. We just haven't seen that, although the volume has been there. 29% target share since week eight. And Alec Pierce reemerged with Matt Ryan last week. He saw yep. target the targets again, and it had been just Paris Campbell and Pittman. Um, one other thing worth noting here, um, again, just minor, but uh, Jonathan Taylor's snap share went from ninety four percent to seventy five percent with Deion Jackson's return, and you know he saw as many targets as Taylor as well. So he did not be, stay the every down player with Jackson's return. If you're considering DFS options moving forward, just a minor point. Obviously, Taylor looks fantastic, and he's a top five fantasy back down the stretch yeah that's a good call um i get it we put you behind jonathan taylor on the show yesterday so you got to take a shot at jonathan taylor <laughs> I, I get it Just that's exactly right there. yeah I, i'm bitter <laughs> i'm sorry you caught me <laughs> no nah, it's all good all right well that's great stuff dalton hell of a show today man i mean this is a, again this is the third time we've talked uh we did the video we did the podcast yesterday the preview it's a lot of that's a lot of me time for you man so i appreciate you sticking it through here and i appreciate all of the good week 12 notes we got here the folks should be well prepared to dominate this week yeah i appreciate it too i appreciate your sweater you're wearing turkey leg and happy holidays to everyone out there yeah best leg day ever here uh on my on my sweatshirt uh for for thanksgiving got a better one coming up on actual Thanksgiving tomorrow. Well, again, we appreciate you all. Thanks for sticking with us. Uh, you can follow Dalton on Twitter at Dalton Del Don. You can follow me if you want to at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. You can and should be following at Yahoo Fantasy uh, because they tweet more than both of us probably combined. Scott will be back with me on Monday morning to recap all of these games we just talked about. Until then, we're out. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.